Welcome to episode 102 of the What Nots Review Show, where every week we pick a story and we talk about it. This could be a movie, TV series, anime, manga, comic book, audio drama, all kinds of entertainment. We watch it, read it, listen to it, and then we come back here and we discuss it. My name is Melissa Wilkinson, and we are doing a bit of a special episode here today. My typical uh, co-captain episode after episode is Kyle Springer. Kyle, say hello. Hi. I'm still here, kind of. (laughs) Kyle is still here. We are doing a a test run where I have a different co-captain this episode, and Kyle's going to be in the background like our producer, sort of chiming in from time to time and mostly just watching things to make sure I do all the technical stuff right. And my co-captain today is my friend Jack. Jack, hello. Hi, Melissa. (laughs) Audiences may recognize you from our Reactor Core episode on Rise of Skywalker, but this is your first time on the review show. It is, and this is my first time not holding back a cough the entire time, <laughs> so I should hopefully be able to talk more. <laughs> That'd be good. <laughs> right, I think you were getting over a cold when we went to see Star Wars, so it is, I am doing most of the talking in that episode, unfortunately. Yeah. But we are here today to talk about a movie that you pitched. I let you have the pitches this time. Yeah. And you gave me three uh, recent Oscar winners for Best Original Screenplay. And out of those, I picked Parasite, which is the most recent winner and also took uh, everything, all of them. Yeah, did a pretty big sweep this past year. How different the world felt in early February. (laughs) Yeah, when it's just like, wow, this one guy won screenplay and best foreign language film and best film and best director? Yeah. Wow, all of them. What a feat. I'm I'm glad to be watching this one. This had been on my to-watch list for a while. I was very glad that you pitched it. Yeah, I'm very glad that you chose it because this was a movie that... I had seen and I couldn't talk about with anyone else because nobody that I personally knew had seen it, but I had a lot to say and I feel a lot of things about it, so I'm very glad that you (laughs) wanted to take this on for this week. Mm Mm-hmm. And this was a movie I knew nothing about. I had the the vaguest sense of what was going to happen and even what I thought was going to happen, I was wrong about. This was a... a wild ride to start from start to finish and kyle you did also watch this movie correct i did yeah okay. it was fantastic good i, I sure we check I'll, in with I'll, you also your thoughts as well what, what was that no i'm just saying i want to make sure we check in with you about your thoughts as well you did the homework you get to participate <laughs> yeah. in class yeah it was also one that I knew people really liked and I knew it was supposed to be really good but I really didn't know what it was about Mm -hmm. per se and so I went in with just nothing and I was just like this is ridiculous (laughs) (laughs) yeah a little bit more detail about it Parasite is a 2019 film from South Korea directed by Bong Joon-ho And the basic IMDb logline of the film is a poor family, the Kims, con their way into becoming the servants of a rich family, the Parks. 
but their life gets complicated when their deception is threatened with exposure. Which is a, a fraction of all the things that happen in this movie. Yeah. It's it's something. I mm. I also went into it not knowing anything. Mm-hmm. And I think thankfully that's how most people have been telling other people to watch it like just go in not knowing anything and just go on this wild ride but Mm -hmm. uh, I will say that I wasn't prepared for certain things (laughs) yeah so yeah we can definitely talk about that (laughs) (laughs) and you and I have been watching several Oscar buzzed movies recently uh, in that we both turn them on at the same time and then text each other about it so recently we've watched 1917 and Uncut Gems and then I watched this and this was the most harrowing out of all three of those right (laughs) right it's like this beats the war movie and Adam Sandler tearing his life apart with poor gambling decisions this makes Uncut Gems look like a romp yeah. And on a slightly unrelated note, I watched Midsommar last night, and I yes. will say, uh, not as harrowing. Oh! Oh, interesting. I, I, I think that this movie has uh, given me different expectations when watching anything. <laughs> I'm not as disturbed by anything now. Wow, it's the new benchmark. What a valuable tool we have in our cinema language now. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's take a break and do a little bit of housekeeping, and then we are going to dive full into spoilers and our full discussion on the movie. So just letting you know that if you're listening to this as a podcast, you can also look at it on YouTube. We're not doing an uh, a video recording for this particular one, but we do for most of our episodes. You can go to YouTube, listen to the audio, and typically watch the uh, Kyle's and mine's faces. That's available to you. Uh, if you support us on Patreon, you could access theoretically the live streams of these episodes when we do them. We're just taking a break today. Uh, that starts at $1. And if you support us for $3, then you're able to get access to some fun Patreon bonus episodes. We've got episodes on there for the review show, for the captain's log. We're going to work on some for the reactor core coming up soon. We've got lots of neat stuff over on the Patreon. Uh, We appreciate your dollars, but also you could just give us a follow on YouTube or Twitch or Twitter, anywhere you find us, leave a review, uh, share our shows. You know, in addition to the uh, the review show, we also have the Captain's Log and the Reactor Core, as previously mentioned, and Kyle's video game show Crossplay with Ignacio. So there's lots of uh, whatnots excitement around for you to absorb into yourself today. There really is. It's nice to have multiple <laughs> podcasts to listen to every week. We put out a lot of content and we've been doing it for a while. So there's like a deep backlog. If you're the sort of person who just wants to dive into something, hours of entertainment are at your fingertips. Okay. So I think with our housekeeping out of the way, we can do the spoilers. All right, let's dive in. Where do we even start with this film? Uh, well, 
I didn't take a ton of notes when I watched it in preparation mm. for the podcast because I still felt like I needed to absorb everything again. Yeah, yeah. And refresh my memory. But I will say that one thing I found very interesting about this movie is that perhaps the biggest twist that Moon Guang's husband has been living in this secret yes. bunker for many years, it's not hinted at at all oh it isn't no like i kept waiting for some kind of hint that he was down there and i kept thinking in my head like i remembered the story that mrs park was telling about uh Song seeing the ghost Mm -hmm. and i kept waiting for that to happen before we get the reveal because it seems like one of those things you would hear before it's revealed that someone's been living in that yeah no it's after yes it is it's it's a complete shock. It's a complete surprise. You're right, because uh, I think it's um, the sister. I'm going to have to review what everybody's names are, unfortunately. I had to do the same thing. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Um, well, the sister's teacher name is Jessica. That's the, her, her alter ego name. Mm-hmm. And she's talking to the mom and just sort of to kind of tease the mom to like get the mom on her side as paying for these art therapy classes. Mm-hmm. She's like, it looks to me based on your son's artwork. Did something happen to him last yeah. year? And the mom's like, something did happen. But then we never find out anything about that until after you've already been given the clue to, I think that might've been what it is. And then it's afterwards. They're like, yeah, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. You're right. It seems like the the order of those events would be flipped. Yeah, and that's how I remembered it in my head. So I kept thinking, am I watching like a cut version of this on Hulu? Mm. I don't think they would do that. But I was happy that no, it is in its full format. Just it didn't uh, happen the way I remembered it. (laughs) So this is what I thought the movie was going to be going in because I knew pretty much nothing but I'd heard somebody talking about the movie in very general terms on some podcast. I wish I could remember what it is. And somebody said, talking about the movie, poverty turns you into a living ghost. And I took that as a metaphor. And then I'm sitting there watching the movie and I'm like, is that literal? Because the movie gives you the setup of the housekeeper has been working at the same house for a long time. She worked under the previous owner, then she transferred under these new owners. Mm -hmm. This is a house designed uh, by the person who lived in it, by an architect. So you can guess, okay, it's got plenty of little hidey holes and secret passages. This housekeeper has been unceremoniously fired. I bet the housekeeper has snuck back into the house and she's going to be terrorizing the families. This is what what I I thought. thought right and you think oh I see where the movie is going and it's like no not quite that you're close but there's way more to this than you would think yeah I had the same feeling as soon as she rings the doorbell I'm like oh shit this is gonna be a home invasion movie like I totally thought it was going to be that Mm -hmm. and she's just like outsmarting the family because she's got all these different places she can hide in. Mm-hmm. Turns into ready or not or something like that. Yeah. No. Yeah, I really like that 
this movie is interesting pacing and in that the movie I'll say this it starts out and it's very charming mm -hmm. which nobody had told me about I'd heard it had a great ensemble cast but that doesn't necessarily transfer to charming nice but we're introduced uh, to the Kim family at the beginning of the movie you're immediately on their side you feel very warm towards them I think it does a great job of setting up the conflict that they are very poor they get their cell phone service turned back on and they have a celebratory dinner of like cans of soda and bags of chips mm -hmm. and it's sad but it's treated kind of lighthearted. like it almost feels like we're watching the pilot episode of a sitcom yeah yeah so like you understand the conflict you understand the emotion but the tone is still lighter like you're not watching this feeling distressed mm -hmm. they save all the distress for the end of the movie <laughs> yeah this feels like three movies rolled yes! into one yes and they're all very good they're just very different tonally mm -hmm. but it works yeah. really well still somehow it does and so for a while in the movie you're just watching the Kims try and con the parks and they do it really successfully. Like, there is no suspicion, mm -mm. which is interesting. Like, them building up the con is not their downfall. Hubris is not their downfall. Poor planning is not their downfall. Their downfall is all things they could have never predicted. It's all these outside forces. Yeah. And, uh... It's very interesting how your perception of them changes because I think that I was going into this expecting that my perception of the Park family would be negative. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. you do definitely see uh, not so great aspects yeah. of them. But I think you also see not so great aspects of the Kim family as well. So by the end mm -hmm. of it, I didn't know how to feel about any of them right this is like the one i asked you a couple preliminary questions about this movie like weeks ago like after it had just swept the oscars and any of you had seen it mm -hmm. and i remember you saying i really liked it and i got to the end and i wasn't sure how to feel anymore and then i think you said you read some articles and you were like oh that's how i'm supposed to feel i'm supposed to feel that way at the end of the movie yeah which is helpful and I asked you, like, is there any genre stuff to this film? Because I had no handle on it. I'm like, is there a sci-fi thing? Is there a supernatural thing going on? And you're like, oh, absolutely not. It's it's just people. <laughs> Somehow. This is one of the most intense just people movies I've ever seen. <laughs> um, yeah, you're right about both families. I was... I was pleasantly surprised how uh, legitimately charming the parks were also. Like, of course, they're uh, pretentious, but they seem like pretty all right people. Like, they do seem to treat their employees with, like, a decent amount of respect. They're kind of fond of them. You can tell that that ha previous housekeeper was a part of the family. Mm -hmm. uh, I, th I think the worst thing they do is just the dad being upset that Mr. Park smells and never talking to him about it, just making gross faces about it, which in the grand scheme of things, I can't be terribly upset about. 
Yeah, and I think one issue I had with that, too, is that I don't think Mr. Kim would have been aware of it if he had not overheard a private conversation about it to begin with. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, it it's He's, tough. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, like, they're not... They're only as fallible as anybody else is. They are not worse than anybody. Which was, like I said, a pleasant surprise going in. Like, you would see this setup, mm-hmm. and you'd think, oh, the rich people, they, they are all fools. Uh, they, they are all bumbling jerks. It's like, oh, no, they're, they're, they're kind of, they certainly have their flaws. There are things that they do not handle well, but they seem like all right people, and they seem like they do really like each other. Like, as a, you know, it's not a backstabbing family unit. Neither of the families mm-hmm. are, which was nice. Yeah. <laughs> I felt pretty much the same way. I'm glad that we can talk about this now, because I, just, <laughs> I didn't have anyone to talk about this with for the longest time. <laughs> right? Yeah, so you're being set up for this movie where nobody is the bad guy. Like, everybody's kind of on a fairly even playing field in terms of wrongdoing and also uh, goals and things they want to attain. Like, you're not clear at the outset who is the antagonist going to be. You think you know what's going to happen. You think like, oh, the the Kims are going to slip up or the Parks are going to like really hyper scrutinize them and like find some flaw in this plan. And then neither of those things happen. And then the antagonists aren't, you guess you call them the antagonists are introduced. And even then it's like, I just feel bad for you. Yeah. Like, you're kind of rooting for everybody in this movie. Like, you want everybody to figure themselves out. Like, just talk to each other. Just come clean. Yeah. I felt really bad for... I forget his name. Moon Guang's husband. Mm. Who had been sitting in that bunker for four years, I think, by that point. And he was like, yeah. I just want to be down here. Can't you people leave me alone? <laughs> and I, I kind of understand his frustration and why he does what he does by the end of the movie. I mean, it's yeah, it's horrible, but mm-hmm. like you understand why he felt the way he felt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a movie where there's... Uh, so the Parks and then the housekeeper and her husband, they have all established a status quo. They are all fine with their lives. And then you have the Kims coming in that are still trying to get to a status quo that they like. Like, they haven't felt settled in their lives yet. They haven't found comfort. They haven't found success. They're still wanting for a lot of things. And they pick this uh, underhanded way of going about it. But at the same time, it's they are providing that family a service. Like, it seems like they're not terrible at any of the jobs they're claiming to be able to do. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know if that's real world class uh, tutoring those kids are getting, but they seem to be learning enough, right? And I think that is part of the plan going in. They're like, we know some of this stuff. Like, we're not, 
we're not absolute fools about this. Like, no, you know art. I do know English. I have taken these entrance exams over and over again, even though I was never able to get into college. But I know how to take an entrance exam, and that's what this daughter needs to know, so I'm going to teach it to her. Yeah, it really does feel like when you get a position somewhere because you know someone who works at the company. Yeah. Because that's how I've gotten all of my jobs. <laughs> that's how I've gotten promoted at jobs. You just know mm-hmm. people. And even if you don't yeah. really actually know the thing very well, you fake it until you make it. And mm-hmm. that's, I don't know. It's interesting seeing that play out in this and feeling like it does apply to real life very much even if none of us are necessarily con artists we do kind of find a way to just make it work somehow even Mm -hmm. if we're not quote-unquote qualified for it yeah which is what they're doing and you're looking at it and you're like i know this is lying and underhanded but this also seems like it could be a situation in which nobody does get hurt if everybody handles it correctly like it's bad but it could be harmless if you just don't go too far with it, you know? Yeah, I think what made me start feeling a little bit uneasy about the moral ambiguity was when they um, started... Oh, gosh, how do, how do I describe it? When they would take the peach fuzz and... Yes! Sprinkle oh. on Kwong. I'm like, that's crossing a line there. Right! It's like the woman's going to have serious medical problems. You're right. That is the turning point where it's, oh, no, this uh, this has gone from uh, fun roguery to uh, a legitimate threat <laughs> that I don't know if I enjoy watching. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like, oh, that's clever like this was me watching like the first hour of the movie when all of the con is getting set up it's like this isn't good but this is a delight to watch to watch normal people Mm -hmm. establish a con with very basic skills to them like you're not you could watch an oceans 11 and it's cool and fun and impressive but you can't do that stuff it's weirdly thrilling to watch normal people pull off a con yeah I kind of wish that the movie would have stayed that way. I mean, I don't know where they yeah. could have gone from there, but... Right. Yeah, it's fun. Mm, like, these are my uh, legitimate fantasies. I wish... I, <laughs> I just want to know... And I'm a good soul. I'm an innocent, polite soul. But I wish I could just experience what it's like to lie my way into a situation and then back out again. <laughs> like, you kind of wonder, like... Could I do it? How would I do it? What would my strategies be? It's like a fun mental puzzle. Yeah. It's like that's... I don't want to go to an escape room. I want to con my way in and out of a rich person's house. That is what I would like to do. So it is like this weird fantasy you're watching for like the first hour of the movie. Mm-hmm. It's like this isn't good, but I... I like to see it. It's interesting to see it. And I, I don't know. It is like kind of a weird, weird wish fulfillment. I'll give you that much. It is interesting <laughs> that you describe it that way because I think when I first rented this movie off of Amazon, because Family Video only had one copy, so it was <laughs> never there. 
back when we could go to family video. Um, (laughs) And I think the description described it as a modern day fairy tale or something in that regard. And Mm -hmm. I still hadn't watched it yet. So that just threw me off even more. Like, how is this going to be a fairy tale? So I... I I had a loose concept that the movie was approximately, as far as I could tell, like I said, I really went into this pretty blind. I thought it was a dark comedy, and I thought it had some horror thriller elements. Mm -hmm. So I knew there was, like, tense stuff happening later. But watching the beginning of the movie, what it really reminded me of was, like, Tartuffe. This reminded me of an old comedy of errors play I would have to read in a literature class. It's like Tartuffe, the importance of being earnest, the first half of Parasite. <laughs> like, I, I haven't... When was the last time anybody made a story like this? And, like, it it felt really timeless watching it. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like this is a movie you could set in a lot of different time periods. I mean, it's a, like texting plays some role in it. Like, you're scared that, like, your phone's going to go off and nobody's supposed to know that you're there. Like, that element of it is very contemporary to, like, the last uh, 20-ish years or so, I suppose. But the other parts of it, I'm like, yeah, how is this kind of secret passageways and hidden dudes, like, at any point in history? Like, you could tell this story as a period piece in so many different decades across the world. Yeah, you really could. Mm Mm-hmm. Hmm. Was there anything else that stood out to you or anything oh. else you want to discuss? Hmm. Let's see. I love this house. <laughs> I didn't know anything else about the movie going in, just that the house it had good house. I could see the house. <laughs> so they played clips of it at the Oscars out of context and short enough that you really can get no grasp on what is happening it's just a family running around yelling in this beautiful like clean contemporary mansion and so i I at least set it aside in my brain as well if you ever just want to look at a pretty house for two hours you could rent parasite which sometimes i do i have looked at movies like "Mm, what kind of house are they in the whole time Mm mm-hmm what kind of architectural vacation can I go on? This made excellent use of that house. House is the star. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's got really interesting architecture. I like that there's the kitchen and there's that dark stairway down into the basement. And then from there, like you roll the shelves away and then there's a secret door like it keeps going down like it's this is a deeper house than i would have imagined which i really liked that even architecturally i'm like oh i've never been in a house like this i didn't know there was a house like this it's like the movie itself it's like okay i kind of see what's going on here uh i think we've got like this extra layer that's going to be added to it and then it's like no here's three more layers on top of that and that's what the house itself is like, like, oh, there's still more stairs. There's still more levels. You go down into that little bunker and it's so big. Like, it's cramped, but, like, it's all these little hallways and, like, little alcoves and tiny rooms and it's kind of twisty. Like, it's bigger than I would have expected, like, the whole movie. Mm-hmm. It's very oh, yeah. metaphorical. 
Oh, I really like this is in like one shot. I think the first time you see the housekeeper go downstairs, she's going to get the like a uh, plum nectar or something out of the jar from the pantry. Like she walks past this room that's clearly like dry goods storage, but it's lit like it's a store. Mm-hmm. Do you re- do you remember this? Like all of the packaging is laid out on the shelves, like facing front, so cleanly organized. It's all in packaging. It's not like there's anything thrown into a Tupperware labeled with a piece of tape on it. Like it's all clean new packaging lit under these like fluorescent lights. It's like there's just a little convenience store in one room in their basement. Mm-hmm. Which I real it's so unnatural but I look at it and I'm like I kind of wish I had that I wish I just had a convenience storeroom in my basement or like Barbara Streisand's department store in her basement because she's Barbara Streisand and she's too famous to go to the mall anymore so she just made like her own Saks Fifth Avenue in her basement full of clothes she has already bought it's just laid out like it's a store (laughs) did you know this no I did not (laughs) Sometime later, like, look up Barbara Streisand's department store basement. It's one of my favorite things out there in the world. I'll have to do that. I will say that it's so interesting re-watching this movie, living in the time that we're currently living in. Because mm-hmm. I, I didn't pay attention to that area the first time. But watching it now, I just think that's what a lot of people's basements look like. Stocking up on food and supplies. Mm-hmm. Like, I look in my corner right now, and you know how we usually have two cases of water? We have... Yeah. Uh, 15. <gasps> what? 15? We drink a lot That's... of water. That's so many. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, but it's not just that they stocked things. It's that it was, like, lit and displayed like a store that really delighted me. I wish... And, like, they just pan across that room once. Nobody ever goes back in there. I wish they would have. I just wanted to look at it again. You'll have to take screenshots of it and just zoom (laughs) in and look at everything. (laughs) One thing that did stick out to me watching it for the second time Mm -hmm. is that I really want the pizza folding job it would be fun (gasps) to just make money folding pizza boxes in my spare time that was interesting I did like to see the different uh, it's like the fact that they don't have regular jobs is bad but the odd jobs they would pick up were interesting to see Mm -hmm. like oh the entire family sits around and folds pizza boxes Mm mm-hmm those are my favorite like kind of jobs, just like mindless, repetitive work where I can mm-hmm. just zone out and listen to music or podcasts and not have to worry about messing anything up. Mm-hmm. And then they're also trying to, uh, not con, but like persuade the person who works at the pizza restaurant, like, do you need more staff? You could hire me as staff. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. I like how they establish, before we even get to the Park family, Mm. that this is just how this family survives. They're just constantly trying to work their way into wherever they can find work. 
Mm-hmm. Or like they're they're stealing Wi-Fi from their neighbor. They don't have their own Wi-Fi. Yeah. It's like, oh, she put a password on it. Now what do we do? We mm-hmm. can't crack the password. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this movie was one of the most effective uh, character establishments I've seen. Like, it, so quickly you get what this family's about, and you're really on their side, and you're enjoying it. So, like I said, is like uh, for their quality of life, it should feel like more of a bummer than it does. Like I think the film does a good job of like portraying, uh, you know, the the terrible lives of these people while still making the movie palatable to watch. Yeah, I think it's not until the very end or towards the end when yeah. their whole home floods. Yeah, and you see the devastation of that and to the parks it was just oh their camping trip is ruined and mm-hmm. they get to just kind of relax and Dasong gets to go out in the tent <laughs> in the yard and have fun and yeah. it's interesting yeah this is I don't this is such a tonal shift across this movie <laughs> and you think you know what it's going to do and then it doesn't uh which can be said about several films, of course. But I think this is one of the primest examples of it. Of no, you are not in for what you think you are in for. Mm-mm. <laughs> like, watch this whole thing crumble around you. I was thinking about this movie today and how nobody comes out on top at the end. Like, nobody does. This is such an oddly even-handed movie in that when you're introduced to all the characters... You sympathize with all of them. And like I said, where the Parks would traditionally be the bad guys in this movie, they're they're, they're really not. Like, you still kind of want them to, like, you sympathize with them. They do still kind of charm you. You do want them to lead an okay life. Every character you're introduced to, you sympathize with. Like, you want things to work out for everybody is the attitude I had in the movie. Like, I didn't want to see anybody get their comeuppance. Like, I just wanted, like, everybody should talk to each other. I'm sure there's a solution here that will work for everybody. Like, I believe they could find that. So this movie starts with, I'm on everybody's side. I want all these people to find a way to live well. And the movie ends with, oh, nobody did. Nobody's living well. Nobody came out the winner. Everybody has lost. Mm -hmm. Which I think makes it a harder pill to swallow just because yeah like you don't like after all of that work the kim family didn't truly succeed in any way and they're yeah. kind of right back to where they started except worse off because kijong is dead mm-hmm. uh and the father is now in the basement until further yeah. notice <sighs> And, uh, yeah. And, like, even the the parks, you imagine, still have money. You know, they I'm sure they got another nice house somewhere. They still, like, lost the father of the family. They, you know, their entire life for the last several years had been a lie. Mm-hmm. Like, they have had a serious trauma given to them. Everybody has. And even if it was a movie that went in another direction where, like, the parks were a little bit more 
vindictive and did manage to scrape by and kind of come out on top at the end of the movie. I think the beginning of the movie still set you up with like enough enough fondness for them that at the end of the movie, like even that may be more comforting than what we actually end up with. Like to have a bad guy get away feels better because the bad guy has at least been like entertaining and a little charming up until that point. Like that would feel better than no, uh, nobody's good. Every every person involved in this, everybody's lives got ruined. Heck, even probably that college friend that went to study abroad, I, he's probably not coming back to a good life either. No. It's like, what happened <laughs> to him? Right? Like, he's going to find out that, like, oh, so I gave my friend that job, and, and I asked him, and I gave him my friend this job because I knew he wouldn't flirt with this girl I was tutoring who I had a crush on who was like a couple years younger than me, but I was going to try and do it right and wait to ask her out until she was fully old enough when we were both in college. He's like, I will ask my friend to tutor her because I know my friend won't flirt with her. Friend flirts with her anyway. The two of them have a whole thing going on. Uh, then friend's family <laughs> lies their way into the household. <laughs> like you imagine like the college friend was like, oh, that's a nice housekeeper. That's a nice driver. Oh, both of them were fired? Oh, the housekeeper's husband had been living in the sub-basement? Oh, the dad is dead? Oh, the daughter and the family moved away somewhere? What happened? I've just been in Mm -hmm. Germany for the last six months. Where was he? He's going to come back to nothing he recognizes being the same. He's like, I gave you guys a rock. What did the rock do for you? Yeah. Everyone, every character is screwed over at the end of this movie. All of them. Like, it, the, the littlest spark is that you get is when the parks are like, we imagine, I think it was the parks, I forget. When somebody's like, I imagine that chauffeur got a good job somewhere else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But even then, it's just theoretical. Like, all you can do is imagine, oh, I imagine... I think that person has enough resources to get by out there in the world. You can just guess that they do. There's no confirmation. There's nothing to hold on to. Nope. Oh. What a wild movie. <laughs> but I was... Uh, but back to what I was saying about how nobody comes out on top at the end. I'm like, what other stories operate like this? And I started thinking about Fiasco. Hmm right fiasco is a tabletop rpg system uh that's based on like coen brothers movies and like heist movies and crime gone wrong sort of stories right it's like build your own fargo in a box with like some pens and paper and dice and like you all play uh, a character who's supposed to be like a small town criminal or rube and you just play these scenes with each other it's a really great RPG, especially like if you don't really know RPGs that well, or if something like D and D is very intimidating to you with like all the dice and numbers and stats and stuff, Fiasco is like real simple to pick up and play, and great if you're more of like an improv person who's like, I don't care about equipment, I just want to talk and do scenes with people. Fiasco is great for this, mm-hmm. but the structure of the game is that halfway through the game, you are supposed to introduce things that mess up the story. It's like, okay, uh, important object gets stolen, old, you know, angry lover comes back, and at the end, there's like a whole table, like you accrue these dice over the course of the game, 
And at the end of it, you look, you take the number of dice and then you look at the table and there's a couple of them that do equate to you've come out on top. Like you actually got away from this pretty scot-free, whatever it was you wanted, you got in the end. But most of them equate to, yeah, your life is in shambles. And the last part of the game is that everybody goes around and says, well, this is where my character is now living in shambles. It's a fiasco movie is what it is. Just taking like a really severe turn. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Speaking of fiasco, I think that would be a fun Patreon bonus. Yes. To do. Yeah, we're going to have to figure out how to do fiasco uh, digitally because there are some interactive elements where it's like take a dice and give it to your uh, to somebody else at the table or like you place cards in between yourself and like the person to your left. It's like, okay, we share this chunk of backstory with each other, but I'm sure there's a way to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fiasco would be fun. <laughs> yeah. This is... Parasite is a movie... That I, at the beginning, I'm like, I I know I'm not supposed to, but I kind of want to try living like this. Toward the end, it's like, please, I want n- none of this. No part of this should come to my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you can't, <laughs> and you can't tell at the outset that's how you're going to feel about either part of it. Like I mentioned, like um, a, a, a heist movie, for instance, like, a, like a, an oceans of some kind. It's like, oh, cool, glamorous, sexy. You're Brad Pitt and you're eating a bunch of snacks. You know, you're George Clooney and you live in Italy. That all sounds great. I want to live like that. Uh, Bet, you know, the FBI is going to crack down on him at the end. Wouldn't want that. This is like sitting down. It's like, I kind of want to do, see, if I could fabricate, (laughs) if I needed to fabricate a second life for myself, could I do it? Would I be convincing? I'm intrigued by this. I know I'm not supposed to do it, but this is what makes it thrilling, is that I get to live vicariously through somebody else who is trying to do that, and I get to see how well they're doing it. So you have no idea, oh, now that I see this in front of me, I think I would, like, there's something about this that's, like, a fractionally aspirational, and then it takes that severe turn at the end. It's like, oh, no. Oh, this is far, far worse than anything I could have ever imagined would have happened. Yeah. It's, uh... A way that I feel a lot of the time (laughs) watching media... I'm living vicariously mm-hmm. through these characters and then things go terribly wrong. And I'm like, and that's why I'm not doing it in real life. Right, exactly. This is why I am mild-mannered and polite. But like when I play, talking again about RPGs, when I play Dungeons and Dragons, I want to play a rogue. Mm-hmm. Like it's fun to imagine if I had to sneak into a house, how would I do it? If I had to hide in a house, how would I do it? Like, these are, like, the the silly daydream fantasies that are just fun mental puzzles to give yourself. And here you see it playing out, and it's only exciting for so long before it becomes an absolute disaster. You're like, I'm too deep in the mud. How do I dig myself out now? I should have never done this. I should have just gone to work at a McDonald's. What are some other things that you noticed watching this movie a second time? Because I've only seen it the one time 
so mm-hmm. far. And I imagine there's got to be so many layers to it that you get upon a repeat watching, even if it is like you said, that you're expecting more setup than there is, and there mm-hmm. isn't somehow, but the payoff still works. Yeah. Um, that was the main thing that I noticed mm. watching it for a second time, and I think just gathering a bit of a better understanding of the exposition because I think the first time that I watched it I didn't know what I was getting into so I was just trying Mm -hmm. to get a sense of how all of these people operate and their relationships with one another and how they change over time and this time it was nice to just kind of sit back and know where it's going and even if I'm not happy about where it's going, just kind of be able to take it all in a little bit deeper. Yeah. But, uh... Yeah. Not as much setup as I expected, though. I was definitely expecting a lot more on the second viewing. I think for... the, The premise is simple enough that I don't think you need that. For such an effective movie... It really does a lot with only here's 10 characters, like 10 main characters and one setting. It it's got for such a powerful end result, it really has very few narrative ingredients to it. Yeah. Like it doesn't need that setup or exposition or hints. Like it's you don't start the movie thinking this is going to be a mystery and it isn't a mystery. You're just... It's like you've just been thrown a culprit. Like a culprit's just thrown at you and you didn't even know there was a crime going on is what the movie is. Mm-hmm. It's like this man robbed a bank and you're like, there was a bank to begin with? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm very intrigued to see what Bong Joon-ho does next. Mm-hmm. Which I will say that's perhaps maybe one positive thing that's coming out of everyone staying indoors is that maybe like all of these brilliant creative people will be writing while this is going on. Like I, Could if they're be, not traumatized yeah. enough, I sure hope that <laughs> Bong Joon-ho is writing something right now. I hope that Jordan Peele's writing something right now. Yeah. Wherever like these people, people are, I, ho- I hope they're well. Yeah. This is going to be such an interesting incubation period, because I wonder if we're going to get so many stories that are so true to life about what's going on, or that are complete escapism, not related to anything we're going through. Yeah. I'm really curious. Ooh, and um, something that I heard is that Bang Chun-ho's translator... Mm. who was with him throughout award season pretty much and yeah. she would always speak for him when they would be up on the podium accepting awards she said that she wants she's also a director and she wants to write a movie oh. about award season itself Ooh, nice I, uh, I'm very intrigued by that I would love to see that yeah, I think the only other award season movie I've seen is Christopher Guest's For Your Consideration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is which is good. And it's like a it's a little cynical, 
And I'd be interested to see if more versions, uh, more stories on that topic would also be cynical or if they would be cynical in a different way where you at least have a different aspect of it, if they would be more positive. Because that's a whole movie about a movie. That's a story about a movie that looks like it's going to be this great independent critical darling from the outset of production where like people are getting, oh, like a reporter came to visit the set and seems like there's real buzz about you, Catherine O'Hara. Catherine O'Hara, this could be the, the time you really get an Oscar. And then like more outside factors keep influencing the movie and it gets really watered down mm-hmm. and like uh, nothing comes out of it at the end in awards season that they thought that they, and they're trying to be so humble, but they like let themselves hope. They let themselves believe maybe this is when we can do this. And then they don't, like nobody gets there by the end of the movie. And it's kind of sad it's a Christopher Guest movie, so it's still funny and charming. Mm-hmm. But I'd be interested to see a movie about awards season from the perspective of somebody who did win a lot of things. What is that narrative like? How does that feel? Mm-hmm. How do you tell a story uh, where you did win everything at the end? How do you introduce conflict? How does that narrative arc go? Is it just going to play like a sports movie where everybody wins everything at the end? I would love to see an awards season movie treated like a sports movie. Yeah. That's cool. Have you seen other movies that Bong Joon-ho has directed? I have seen a bit of Snowpiercer. I haven't seen the full thing. Um it was on Netflix a while back. I don't know if it's still on there, but I might mm-hmm. revisit it and try to watch more of it if it's still on yeah. there. But that's the only other one that I've attempted to watch so far. <laughs> Snowpiercer, uh, differ- I've heard it is certainly very good. Mm-hmm. I like every actor I've heard about that's in it. It just seems like too much of a bummer for me. We've discussed that I don't like dystopias. <laughs> And this is, like, the most dystopian thing you could imagine. Yeah. So I don't think I'll watch it, but I would love to see a 15-minute sizzle reel of the best parts. Yeah. Kyle, you were nodding. Have you... Do you have insights? Have you seen other Bong Joon-ho movies? Uh, yeah. I've seen a couple. Um, I have not seen Snowpiercer. I'm not mistaken, though, I believe that that one is based off of a comic book. Yeah. Um, But I have seen, actually, I have my notes pulled up on here. Uh, So we've actually covered two of Bong Joon-ho's movies in the past on uh, the Whatnots podcast, which you guys can get on our website. Uh, it's kind of the predecessor to this podcast, the, Mm. the, 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 the review show. Uh, but on episode 81, we covered Akja, which is a Netflix oh, original film. Oh, I forgot film. he did that one. I was not a huge fan of that one. Um, mm. That one is also very wild in the sense that it seems like it's four different m- m- movies packed into Ooh. one. Um, it, it, it's kind of like an anime come to life. Um, Ooh. But it is very heavy on the, like, anti-meat industry propaganda and hmm. stuff like that. So if you're not really into seeing a message like that, I can see why mm. it would be like, ah, this is not what I want to be watching here. 
Yeah. However, I have also seen The Host, which we right. covered on episode 98 of the Whatnots podcast. Um, and that one I loved. That one I thought was fantastic. Okay. And that's about – that one's more of like a monster movie uh, where yeah. there is this monster that attacks the city and there's this one family that gets mixed up and separated and they're trying to rescue one another and and, st- and stuff like that. Uh, and I loved th- that, f- that film. That one is fantastic. Yeah, I've heard really good things about The Host, but I haven't watched <laughs> it yet. So, but yeah. That's all that I've I've seen. Do you have anything you want to say about the movie? We don't want to cut you out of the conversation entirely. You have insights <laughs> you would like to share. Um, yeah. So I thought this one was a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Uh, I at first was just fascinated watching them con their way into into this yeah. family's lives. Uh. And then I I would like to say that it spirals out of control, but it doesn't really. It just explodes, and it's just like, yeah. oh, okay, this is not what I was expecting. I, I I was kind of expecting to have the rich family like have it be revealed that they were somehow fucked up and like oh they're all mm. serial killers and they're okay. like somehow stalking this family that thinks that they've conned their way in, into, into, into this family or uh, something like like they have somehow also conned their way into like pretending to be rich and somehow mm-hmm. they've made it into these things, oh. but like they also have no idea what they're doing. Ooh. Um, but in the end, I I, I think it's it's a it's a great film that really dives into. I think something you mentioned at the start uh, was just this idea of poverty will turn you into a ghost. Uh, mm-hmm. And what that really means of just like, hey, does that mean like you're going to work yourself to death? Or uh, does that mean like in the eyes of rich people, you are nothing and you are non-existent. And the really only thing that they can see about you is like, oh, he smells and that's it. <laughs> just like because like the the rich family is just like throwing all this money out like yes we need art therapy yes we need this and they just don't really pay attention to these exact details of like i mean this is kind of photoshopped uh like (laughs) where where did you say you went to school like let me see your transcripts and it's like they they just don't check up on this stuff and it's just like there's this there's this layer of just like we don't see exactly what you see or who you are exactly so Mm -hmm. i thought that was fantastic yeah and it's it is interesting that the parks don't look closer into any of these cover stories and it hits this interesting balance where they're a little foolish, but you also kind of admire the fact that they're like, no, I trust your word of mouth. If you recommend this driver, I want to interview and talk to this driver. And based on meeting him and based on what you say, 
I'll glance at the paperwork, but that's all I need to hire this person. Like they're foolish, but they're also really honorable and about it. Like you kind of admire and appreciate that they are that trusting. Yeah, that's that's something that I've seen a lot in Korean cinema and mm. just from I mean here I, 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 I am pasty McPale white guy uh, yeah. but from what I've seen in movies and TV it really seems like the that, that family unit is something you really take care of and so mm-hmm. to see this whole family be a part of this like hey what if we all get on, on that like how can we help each other con our con our way into this family uh and then you see it at the end when when shit hits the fan and it's just like well they don't know that i'm married to the housekeeper but they want me to drive them to the hospital because that's my job and like right Mm -hmm. like still no words are exchanged in that moment of just like that's actually my wife. Like, I need yeah. to, like, you know, do all of that mm. stuff, right? I, I, I guess it was the daughter that got stabbed. So it was like, that's yes. actually my daughter. Um, yeah. But still, like, there is this understanding of, of, of just, like, this is my family. I'm going to help them do whatever they need to to, to survive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that I... I think shows itself strongly in yeah in this film and there's like a little bit of understanding in like uh the parks at the end where they see him staying with the daughter like they don't understand like they don't understand why but they kind of get on some emotional level like okay we're not gonna get you to come with us like just throw us the keys we'll drive ourselves this time like they don't try to fight him about it like they kind of accept whatever is going on, because honestly, you know their their son is having a seizure. It's not a priority. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you really wonder like how things could have worked out if anybody had an opportunity to just confess what they were doing to the parks, because they're they're set up to be again characters that have. Uh, enough of a kindness to them enough of an understandability that you wonder like if you just told them things might be okay like they'd be upset but I don't your lives would not be ruined (laughs) yeah like they they didn't really need to hide the fact that they were all family you could have just been like hey my sister knows how how to do all that stuff and if you trust me like she's family right so we can make this work yeah yeah it's (laughs) like the kids almost made it too complicated like you wonder if if they just came forward and he was like yeah um my sister can do that my dad can drive my mom's pretty handy around the house like do you need help with things there probably would have still been the element of let's knock out the other household staff but they could like, could they have brought themselves on as a whole family unit? Would that have worked? Yeah, like, you look at the end of this movie, it's like, oh, there's there's so many chances you had to go a different path, and what would have happened then? 
Yeah, and it like oh sorry. No, just I'm just like how much would be saved? Would even if they did come forward as we are a full family, uh, how much is the man in the basement still a threat at the end of the day? Yeah, it almost makes you wonder if they would have been upfront about being a family if the parks would have said, oh, well, why don't you all just move in? We have the yeah. room and you can just be here all the time or I don't know. Mm-hmm. I could have seen yeah. it working out that way. And I... <laughs> Kyle, you were right when you said that you were kind of expecting the movie to spiral out of control and it doesn't. Everything just explodes. There is such a quick... It's like a matter of hours that it takes for everything to crumble to pieces. And at the outside of the story, you would imagine that if things are going to fall apart, it's going to be like little slip-ups at a time. Like it would take weeks for the con to unravel. And no, the con is in place the entire time. It's just that everything, like these outside forces come in, or I guess inside forces come in and just... blow everything up like very very quickly it's two days everything goes to heck in like 24 hours you like from the part where the housekeeper knocks on the door in the rain to like the next day when everybody's dead at the picnic it's 24 hours yeah Ooh, something that I kept thinking you were going to mention oh. when um, you talked about at the beginning the living ghost metaphor. I thought yeah. that you were expecting, or that you were going to say that you expected that the old housekeeper would be a ghost. <laughs> Again, this feels like a movie, but it's not this movie. Everything this movie is we've come up with all of these other ideas for ways it would go that sound like a movie, but this movie Parasite is really unlike anything I've seen it takes the opposite choice at like every turn it's really unconventional in a way I really appreciate, like even if it does get so dark at the end it's dark in such a unique way that I appreciate it it's like enjoy might be a strong word, but I can see this being a movie that in like a, a month or so I'll be talking to somebody and I'll be like, oh, you should see this movie. Like, let's sit down and let's watch this. It'll yeah. definitely like live on for this. Like, this will be a movie I imagine I would continue to go back to. Because even if the end is so rough, like just the the narrative act of getting to that end is so impressive. <laughs> Yeah, that's definitely how I felt rewatching it. I think I enjoyed it more the second time around, mm-hmm. knowing what was going to happen, and then just being able to, excuse me, my stomach is growling, <laughs> um, just being able to fast forward through that one little bit mm-hmm. made it mm-hmm. a lot more of a, a pleasant rewatching oh, that, experience. That's good, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> This was really something. I'm really glad I watched this. I'm glad this did sweep all the awards. Because I... Did you see anything else from this most recent awards season? I watched Little Women last night. Oh! It was really good. I had a Florence Pugh double feature unintentionally. (laughs) But I'm like, we might as well do this now. Yeah! Yeah. What else have I seen? Oh. 
we saw Knives Out together. We did, yeah, yeah. Kyle, you haven't seen Knives Out yet, have you? No, I have not. You should. I think you would really dig Knives Out. I've Knives heard Out great is things. another mm, It's another movie that is not what you expect it to be. Okay. Good stuff. Yeah. I, I I will have to absolutely check it out. Yeah. We've had an an interesting combination of films like that. Like Parasite and Knives Out were definitely I think I know what's going on. Whoops, no I don't. <laughs> In other movies, like we saw 1917 and we saw Uncut Gems, and I think both of those, uh, they had bizarre details to them. <laughs> but on the whole, like the broad, like narrative strokes of the movie operated the way I expected them to operate. Yeah. Although I did not expect Uncut Gems to end with an anime song. <laughs> wild like again i think the narrative operates what i the the narrative does what i think it's going to do more or less but the stylistic choices and like the little detours that that show that the movie takes where it's like yeah he has to leave his daughter's high school play and like these loan sharks like strip him naked and throw him into the trunk of his car and he has to call his wife and she has to come out from the high school and like unlock him from the trunk and he's sitting there in his underwear or like they go to a weekend concert for a while yeah or like that subplot about the milk in 1917 I was we're at a, I, I was saying to somebody yesterday that I think we're in a great period for movies being weird. Mm-hmm. Like, there's movies that are big, big scale weird. Uh, heck, Shape of Water won the Oscar like two years ago. And that's a movie about a woman falling in love with a, a black lagoon creature. <laughs> and it's beautiful and inspiring. And that is a fairy tale for the ages. Like, you've got movies that are broad strokes weird. And then you have movies like 1917, where it's like, this is, uh, it's tech got this technical uniqueness to it, where it's done in these series of one shots. It's done in real time. But the narrative is the fairly conventional. Not boring, but just conventional. It's kind of what you would expect out of a war movie. But there are the little bits where, like, he's drank all the water out of his canteen and they come across a farm with a pail of milk and he pours the milk in his canteen which is a a surprising thing to see and then he's carrying around this warm milk for the whole of the movie and later he encounters like a refugee baby and then he he gives the milk to the baby (laughs) which aren't absolutely wild but it's like oh I I didn't know this was part of it nobody told me about this milk subplot this movie has yeah and that's a movie that I watched my entire family watch Ah. because the two of us watched it together and then my dad Mm -hmm. watched it the following morning and then my dad and mom watched it together the following day and so I got to watch both of them experience the milk thing and they both had things to say about the milk (laughs) (laughs) right like it's not just the both of us everyone is concerned (laughs) about this boy's health when he puts that milk into the canteen right 
Oh, and he's hurt his hand and he dips his hand into the jug of milk. It's like, yeah, yeah, help you. Just pour your bloody hand. Just put it in the milk. Nature's disinfectant milk. Yeah. It's a great time for cinema. It is. It, it makes me kind of sad that movies are just being put on hold for a while. Right. Eventually I'm going to run out of new movies to watch. Ah. But it's <sighs> also giving us a lot of time to catch up on things. So. Right. Like I've never I don't think I've seen uh 3 Oscar buzzworthy movies in my life from like the same season. <laughs> And I did. In like the last two weeks, I've watched three of them. I may watch more. Is Little Women good? I'm really intrigued by Little Women. It's really good. I nice. I would say that I I think I expected it to be slightly better than what it was, just because it was hmm. so hyped up. But it's still really good and still worth checking out. Nice. Yeah, I might seek that one out coming up soon. Oh, I might have to slow my roll and wait for more things to hit a free streaming platform. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a good time to like catch up and oh, oh, I'm like I theoretically could have joined the conversation that everybody was having two months ago. If anybody's still having it now, I'm ready. Uh, put me in, coach. I have things to say about a movie now that I've seen it. Mm -hmm. Okay, I think we're. Close to wrapping it up here. Do you have any closing thoughts about Parasite? I do not, but I'm I'm glad that you chose <laughs> this. Although I think yeah! any of those movies would have had a lot of things to discuss. I'm glad that I finally got to talk about Parasite with other people. Yeah, the other movies you pitched me were Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which I saw once in a film class in college. And unfortunately, I don't... I remember it less than I would have expected. It was probably just because I was busy with college things. And, like, that was one of several classes I had that day. So it's kind of gotten muddled. I would like to revisit that. And you also pitched Get Out, which is a movie I, I still have not seen. <laughs> I need to see Get Out. I think that's been one of the big recent holes in my life in terms of being aware of uh, contemporary cinema. <laughs> I really liked us, so I'd probably like Get Out. Yeah. Uh, do you have any recommendations? If somebody enjoyed the wild ride that was Parasite, what else would you invite them to check out? I would definitely recommend Knives Out. Mm. Because although they are very different stories, I think, like you said, they're not what you expect, and they both mm. deal with similar issues such as class. Mm hmm. And. Hmm. I'll try to think of something else. <laughs> I think Knives Out is a good one, especially for the unconventional narrative structure that it has. Mm hmm. And I just mentioned Us. Us is. This movie makes Us look really normal. <laughs> yeah. Us is another family-based, very tense, more conventional horror movie that also features some pretty cool houses. And uh, uh, metaphorically, people living in basements, I suppose. 
more basement centric mm-hmm. films. Kyle, you had anything? Uh, yeah, I do have a couple recommendations. Uh, so besides just checking out more of Bong Joon Ho's mm-hmm. filmography, um, there's another film. I believe it is on Netflix. Uh, it's a Korean film from 2017 called Forgotten. Okay. Um, I, I watched this on Netflix a couple months ago. Oh boy, this is a wild ride. Um, mm. This is... I, I I wouldn't necessarily describe this as a good film, but okay. it is just so ridiculous in how it changes from the start of the film and what you think it is to, to the end of the film uh this is about a young man whose older brother gets abducted uh and then 20 days later he returns um and he doesn't remember what happened you know it's just there's this mystery of that there's 19 days where no one knows what happened um and the younger brother then starts to notice some discrepancies and some things are wrong some things are not he said this one thing then but now he's saying this one thing what really happened and so it's just this like mystery this this psychological mystery of like what happened is this my brother did he Mm. really forget all of that time who knows um yeah, and I, I think that is one of the most wild films that I have seen. Um, if you guys also want a, a Korean TV show, mm-hmm. I, I happen to really like uh, this series called Bad Guys. This is much more of a crime sh- show. Uh, I, I guess my only the only connection is that it's a Korean show. Yeah. Um, but uh, there is, I, I believe they're both on Netflix. There's the original, which is simply called Bad Guys. And then there's like the Netflix, uh, like their version okay. of it, which is called Bad Guys Vile City. And it's kind of a sequel, kind of a spinoff hmm. thing, but not really. Um, but the basic concept behind that is to take down some of these corrupt uh, politicians and stuff like that. They need to find cops that are also crooked and stuff like that and mm. make a team of like, hey, we, we need a team of bad guys to take down these bad guys. Um, and it is hyper-violent and it is fantastic. I loved it a lot. Okay. I did think of one more recommendation. Yeah. Which this also kind of ties into awards winning movies from the past year. Um, And it may be a little bit abstract, but Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh. Because I think it's structured very similarly to Parasite in the sense that it's very charming for the most part. And there is one very intense very violent scene towards the end mm-hmm. and it doesn't unfold in the way that you would expect okay but yeah nice. 
I haven't seen that one yet, but I'm also intrigued by that. It's good. Cool. All right, Kyle, it is your turn to give me some pitches for what we're going to cover next week. It is indeed. Uh, so let's see. I have, I have a manga, I have a mm. comic book, and an anime. Okay. Because it's been a while since we've done a manga yeah. or an anime. Uh, first up, let me tell you about the manga. This mm-hmm. is entitled The Heroic Legend of Arslan. Okay. Uh, and according to Comixology Unlimited, the summary is, uh, Ek- is Ekbatana is burning. In the prosperous mm. kingdom of Pars lies the royal capital of Ekbatana, a city of splendor and wonder. Ruled by the undefeated and fearsome King Andragoras, Arslan mm-hmm. is a young and curious prince of Pars who, despite his best, who, despite his best efforts, doesn't seem to have what it takes to be a proper king like his father. At age fourteen, Arslan goes to his first ba- battle and loses everything as the blood <laughs> as the blood-soaked mist of war gives way to scorching flames bringing him uh, to face the demise of his once glorious kingdom however mm. it is arslan's destiny to be ruler and despite the trials that face him he must now embark on a journey to reclaim his fallen kingdom mm. um i've actually seen the anime of of this which okay. i believe is on hulu it mm. was at one point um i'm not sure, sure if it's still on there now but this is uh if i'm not mistaken by the same creator as uh full metal alchemist if you guys okay. have seen that, which I love, Full Metal Alchemist, um, but I haven't read the manga, and I would love to check it out. And it is set in uh, kind of like pseudo fantasy historical time mm. period. There's knights and you know stuff, stuff like that. So I do like uh, that. Yeah, I thought I thought that one would be a good good pick i wanted i wanted to read the first three volumes of that okay um yeah and that is uh all on comiXology unlimited nice so we can check it out there uh the next thing that i wanted to do pitch number two uh is also on comiXology unlimited this is a comic called fables oh yeah Um, Fables is the winner of 14 Eisner Awards and one of the most enduring Vertigo titles. Uh, when a savage creature only known as the Adversary conquered the fabled le- le- lands of le- le- legends and fairy tales, all of the infamous in- inhabitants of folklore were forced into exile. Disguised among the Mundies, uh, their name for normal citizens of modern day New York, uh, mm-hmm. these magical 
creatures created their own secret society they called Fable Town. Um, so I've I've heard good things about this. I wanted to read the first two volumes. Okay. Um, fun fact about this: they were trying to get this developed for TV. Uh, mm-hmm. And plans kind of fell through at the last minute, and that is when ABC decided to make the show Once Upon a Time. Um, it was their own version of like, let's explore mm-hmm. all of these fairy tales and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. uh, I think that one could be could be fun. Yeah. Uh, and then let's see here. Is this so? This is the anime that i wanted to pitch this is mm-hmm. pitch number three it is called giant robo the day the earth stood still <laughs> okay oh yeah uh and it's a series of video animations based on uh Ooh. mitsuru yokoyama's manga series giant robo uh, oh i know and... this guy i've seen him before yeah Giant Robo is in uh, homage to Yokoyama's career. The series features characters and plot lines from the manga artist's entire canon of work, effectively creating an all-new story. The events take place in the near future, 10 years after the advent of the Shizuma Jirai, which triggers the third energy revolution uh the series follows the master of the titular robo uh the daisaku kusama and the experts of justice an international police (laughs) organization locked in battle with the b with the bf group a secret society hell-bent on world domination um I've actually, I watched this one years ago, mm-hmm. and I don't remember it at all. <laughs> it's okay. Besides the fact that it was very fast paced and very okay over the top of just like this mm. is operatic, la large scale things are okay. happening nonstop. So, pitch number one was the Heroic Legend of Arslan, volumes one through three. Pitch number two was Fables, volumes one and two. Uh, And pitch number three was Giant Robo, The Day the Earth Stood Still. There's seven episodes, uh, but they're about 40 to 60 minutes long each. Oh, okay. Interesting. Uh. (laughs) I think I, I'm actually going to go with the heroic legend of Arslan because <clears throat> okay. I'm, I'm a big fantasy person and you're not. So I thought I would take the opportunity to pick the rare time you do pitch me a fantasy title. There you go. And I just watched the 10th kingdom. So I'm intrigued by fables, but I think having just rewatched my personal favorite, uh, fairy tale revitalization, all I would do is compare it to that. So I think the timing's bad on that one. I would just talk about the Tenth Kingdom the whole time. Good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Good Rogue stuff. Legend of Arslan. Let's let's find out what the heck this thing is. Yeah. 
Jack, if you had to pick one, what would you have picked? I think I would have chosen the robot one because then you <laughs> would have had a lot of robot media this month to cover. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> More Mr. Robot at the end of the month. Yeah, very <laughs> different big series robots. Of, right. Kyle, I still got to get you to watch Pacific Rim one of these days. <laughs> yeah. You would think being a fan of like giant mecha and stuff like right. that I would have seen it. But I remember when it came out and I was just like, but it's not Gundam. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I tend not to pick the giant robot things you pitch because I'm, I want like one of these days I'm going to get you to pick Pacific Rim when I pitch it to you. So I'm trying to sure. create a giant robot drought, <laughs> and then you'll have to say, "Well, it's been a while since we've done a giant robot. Now we have to watch Pacific Rim." There we go. Good stuff. <laughs> Good stuff. Okay. All right. Kyle, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, I am at Yo Kyle Springer on Twitter and Instagram. Nifty. Jack, you you don't have to plug your own Twitter or anything if you don't feel like it, but is there anything out there on the internet that anybody has made that you'd like to direct people to? (laughs) Just any recommendation. Oh, good question. I still need to look into that Jed Tavius side blog that I found. <laughs> Let me see. It's probably bookmarked on my computer. <laughs> so happy. Yeah. It's <laughs> fresh dash Jed Tavius. J E D T A V ius.tumblr.com I still haven't looked through it but oh good yeah it's it's not I have no idea what that is okay Kyle so last year we 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 rewatched the night at the museum trilogy do you know these do you remember that there was a tiny cowboy and like a tiny Roman centurion yeah uh is this like erotic fan fiction of (laughs) both of them because that would be fantastic (laughs) I don't know how erotic it is, but yeah, we've become very invested in this OTP, and we went looking. <laughs> we, went to, we went to YouTube looking up "Night at the Museum" AMVs, and we found a lot. And we look periodically wow. every couple months, and they're still there. And sometimes there's new ones. New "Night at the Museum" fandom content is out there for you on the internet, should you wish to find it. Sounds like you can have more than one night at the museum, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Many. (laughs) Many. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at WilkyWit. That's W-I-L-K-Y-W-I-T. So you can join us next week for the first three volumes of the manga, uh, Heroic Legend of Arslan, which is available on Comixology Unlimited. And then the week after that, we are starting our next uh, continuous TV show series. So for one podcast episode a month, we're going to be covering one season of Mr. Robot, which is a four-season show that's been concluded. So we get to watch all of it. Mm-hmm. That'll be exciting. recorded at the end of each month. So Yeah, yeah. Looking so forward look for to those it. episodes at the end of the month, beginning of the month, depending on how days shake out. Yeah. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. This is a favorite of yours. It is. It's it's up there with Lost and Breaking Bad 
for favorite prestige dramas of mine. Yes. Yeah. Blood loss gets gets season one is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that'll be exciting. Okay, well, thanks for joining us here on an exciting and fresh new episode of the Whatnots Review Show. It's yes. been great. Thank you for having me. And next time I would be up for doing a video thing. I thought I would yeah. still have a wet head, but I woke up earlier <laughs> than expected and here is dry now. No, I feel the same. I also have to like schedule out what I do to my hair to make sure it looks good on camera. Yeah, that was my main thing, thinking, I don't know if we should just do audio only for this, because <laughs> I'm not used to having to actually schedule hair anymore. <laughs> yeah. We'll keep that in mind. Okay, awesome. Yeah, thanks for joining us. This was cool. We'll have to do yeah, it again. Thank you. Yeah, thank mm -hmm. you for having me. It was a an honor. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. You have a good week. Bye. Bye.